I'm Andrew Faust here with Permaculture Perspectives. Today, we have installment one on a four-part series of my interviews with Evan Pritchard, a renowned Algonquin historian in our region who I am honored to have as a guest on Permaculture Podcast. Give a listen. Hope you enjoy it. I'm Andrew Faust here with Evan Pritchard, and we're having some conversations here at the Center for Bioregional Living. And I thought I'd just have you sit in with us here for the permaculture perspective of the day. And we're going to be talking about the watershed and different relationships between landscapes and cultures and thinking about patterns that we can learn from and move forward with some good solutions or at least contexts for where we live and getting more depth into the actual record that does exist. So great to have Evan here. It was icy and we were fortunate to have him get stranded here. (laughs) And so we've had a chance to hang out and talk about some things that we've both been working on in the area quite a bit, which is thinking about the Rondout Creek watershed, thinking about how really can we begin to put together a fuller vision of what the historical record is. What is it that we can say about places like the Rondout and how... What is the term you prefer, Evan? Uh, Algonquin, indigenous, native? Well, Algonquin. Algonquin? Algonquian, if you want to uh-huh. go that way, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Algonquin people of mm-hmm. the Rondout watershed. Well, give give me a little, a little snapshot, if you can, okay. of uh, right. what are some of the cultures we're looking at that resided here? Where mainly did they dwell along the main stem of the Rondout primarily? Were they in some of these sub-watersheds like the mm-hmm. Vernoy Kill that we know of and are so fond of in the area for its natural beauty? You know, some of those, anything you'd like to share about, you know, those areas that we know people yeah, well, okay. appreciate here, okay. right? Like, well, one thing that <clears throat> comes to mind is, again, this is slightly theoretical and whatever, but it's interesting. It's just interesting. And that, and the Vernoy Kill, you know, this Vernoy family, um, all their records are over in New Paltz, you know, okay. at the Huguenot Center. And there's uh-huh. a, only one mention of Native Americans, really, and all their uh, contemporary records of that time. And that is about a poor uh, Native American family needed uh, some kind of help. But um, otherwise, they have don't seem to carry on any names really in the Vernoy records mm-hmm. um, but that river had another name obviously because the Vernois named it after themselves and I believe it was Anchorops and Anchorops An- Anchorops yeah the OPS suggests a stream of some kind uh-huh. and Anchor isn't really clear because it sounds like a keg of rum and it may be <laughs> a keg of rum contact period so this is the Sopus um uh, you know, Osopus Munchi people mm-hmm. were through this entire area. And um, what happened, there was a big battle. 
several battles and they were chased off and um the treaty with basically the, with the dutch the yeah, battles yes yeah with the dutch and they were the, um and there was treaties that said basically the dutch were saying in Syversent was the head saying we claim this land by right of conquest uh-huh and they don't always see that it's right there for that for this area and so they kind of chased off the um in, in the Asopus people of this area, which are several different groups of Asopus, really, when you look at the big area. And that says, it starts by right of conquest. When the English took over, they said, oh, that's just terrible. We're, you know, offended, you know, and we're going to pay some money and some and trinkets mm-hmm. to the surviving Asopus when we can find them mm-hmm. and pay them for this land, because, you know, even we don't do that. So it was like a low point for Stuyvesant, actually. Mm-hmm. So eventually mm-hmm. they were paid. But the, the treaty, which is online somewhere, was May 15th, 16. Uh, well, what would have been that? 45? So it says, yeah, you know, right of conquest, we'll take it. But there was a battle, several battles. Um, the thing about Anchor Ops. And, and where were the battles? Were they like, were they in the Rondout? Yeah. Yeah, there's certain places that don't have names today specifically, but it's hard to mm-hmm. relate exactly where they were, and nobody yeah. knows absolutely sure. Yeah, um, you know, there's the Dutch are describing the location of the battles, but it's like they're using contemporary stuff in their time. So anyway, so the Vernoy Kill goes right down, you know, to the Port Ben area, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there is a very unusual feature there, which I believe is, you know very significant and at the very mouth where it runs into the rondout the kahak sink as we call it mm-hmm. place the of, kahak sink yes place of wild geese mm-hmm. sink, which is where kerhunksen comes from ah okay but there's this twist i see that on this map kahak sink there's yeah. a twist right at the mouth where it runs into the rondout mm-hmm. and there's high banks and it it makes a big S there. Mm-hmm. And, it's a beautiful uh, spot. I've gone down there often because of the decommissioned bridge there. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. I've been suggesting to the town of Wawarsing, which Wawarsing, I understand, gets its name from that particular confluence. Mm-hmm. It was one thing I... Yeah, yeah where water right runs on in. Wikipedia. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Right. So it's a, pow- it's a power spot, it seems to me, just yeah. as a layperson who kind of enjoys you know researching what i can find out about these things in that area yeah yeah it is, that it is are, exactly that's a great area to focus on and think of. So, so it has this s right so they're, they're high banks they're the confluence it cuts into this high bank area so you have these high walls on the on the southern side of mm-hmm. this the stream where it runs into the rundown which is obviously very important and mm-hmm. it's the kind of place they would want to live anyway because it's a confluence, and they always try to live at a confluence. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's classic Algonquin behavior, right? Mm-hmm. And this is where this river, which the name has been erased from, goes right into this, you know, the trunk, you know, mainstream. And so by doing that, it creates what a Native American would see immediately as a good place to build a fort because you've got two of the walls already there, mm-hmm. and you've got running water, right? And so all they had to do was take this situation, get some logs and some 
coverings, you know, and, and make a kind of a lean-to fort. Very effective. So if Ankaras means fort, which they say it does, then you've got this spot that is called Ankaras, where this natural fort would be, and that's where apparently they, you know, they fought from. That was their base. And how did you spell that? Was it A-N-K-O-R-P-S? Or no, no? A-N-K-E-R-O-P-S. E-R, thank you. So I believe that means fort, and it's referring to that, which is still there. That formation is still there. So I call that river the Ankarops Creek or whatever, yeah. instead of Vernoy, which is a nice-sounding, but you know, mm-hmm. it's a colonial family mm-hmm. you know, that didn't want to, they wanted to name it, and they and didn't wanted, want to mention the native name. And wanted to take it by conquest and see where... Yeah, I don't know the timing. The I think they already had it, though. Yeah. I mean, I, when they dubbed it I don't their know. family name. Yeah, I yeah. don't know exactly the time. I think it must have been after the war. Right. So so there was another thing there, too, which is another clue, was that there was a um, there was this uh, chief who was, uh, you know, there at that spot. Kawashi Khan was his name. Uh-huh. Uh, I usually uh-huh. don't have trouble with that. Yeah. His memory is kind of... Kawashi Khan. Yeah means a good place to swim across the river. And you can look that up in O'Mara's Dictionary of Muncie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kawash Shikan. And that was his name that he publicly used. And he had several names. But that was one of the main ones. But I also believe that was the name for that spot, too. Because mm-hmm. it makes more sense as a spot than a name for a person. Right, a place to swim across a, the river. Yeah, yeah. that's a yeah. weird name for a guy. Right, but, but <laughs> right. chiefs generally or sachems would would take the name of a place where there were people living. That's very very common. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. you know, there's um, Gowanus in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, Go is uh, pine trees. Uh, one is a tributary, and Osa is small. And there was a chief named Chief Gowanus. And they always say, oh, well, you know, they named the Gowanus Creek after him. No, no, they would never do that. Mm. The chief the, takes the name after after the uh, physical feature always, and it's never the reverse. Yeah. As a role. So here we have, not only Chief calls himself Anchorot, but he also, which is na- obviously named after the place, the mm-hmm. fort. Mm-hmm. And also calls himself Kawachi Khan, so means the place you swim across the river. So... What happened, I believe, was that, you know, they had this fort. Maybe it wasn't the greatest fort, but it was just using the, the remarkable, you know, geographic feature. Mm-hmm. And then if they were cornered, they had a good place to swim across mm-hmm. the rundown, which added value to the fort because you could almost you know, go underwater there and swim, you know, pretty rapidly, yeah. get to the other side. And, and something about the other side, which I don't know what it is, but it made it a good place to escape. Mm-hmm. From the Dutch. Right. So the fort was a post-colonial contact feature of that spot. They didn't necessarily have any reason to build a fort. No, no, that's not true. Not true at all. There was a major battle with the Haudenosaunee. Okay, that's why I was asking. Right there, Uh in that region. And the legend says there's no way to know historically, but... You know, the colonists often spoke of this legendary battle. Okay. So, no, they were, that, there were forts all over the place. Uh-huh. Uh, Native-built forts before any contact with Europe. 
that you know the, the classical contact with Europe where you can read about it, and there seems to be a lot of pre-Columbian contact that is totally you know a matter of dispute. Mm-hmm. But it seems mm-hmm. to be growing evidence that there was a some other European contact. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were forts all over the place. Yeah, and there were occasional, like say in that area right around. Um, you know, Port Ben, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were ba- there was one big battle at least, and uh, our friend, the fellow um, who was uh, involved in the the Rondout presentation, yeah, he he knows about that, and he, mm-hmm. you know, um, and uh, you know, people have found artifacts like Iroquoian war implements around this area, you know. So mm-hmm. it gives some credence to the possibility that this story is true. And so the story is that the Haudenosaunee won that battle, you know, and, and whatever that means is very controversial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So were the Sopists then, like, vassals to this Iroquois group? No, not as far as they would admit. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't, you know, they didn't stick around. So um, yeah. that's a... A very interesting spot, and there's a hill there that still exists. I think it's in front of that house that's on two o nine, which was the mini sink trail. Mm-hmm. You know, seven maples drive that area, and there's a little hill, and I believe that was a, a kind of a um, some kind of council spot where they'd meet. And uh, you know, and then of course when Captain Krieger went down trying to you know, attack everybody, it was a long, long story that uh, goes on and on about how, you know, it took him a long time to get there and a long time to stake it out, and then, you know, the battle and all that, mm-hmm. and then after that. it's a, And I deal with it somewhat in this book, which is called um, The Mapping Native New York Book, Yeah, which I, you know, what- self-published and, you know, some myself, and people can write to P.O. Box 259, Rosendale, New York, one two four seven two, and it's like a um, this book is, you know. Uh, and I'll put I'll put that in the notes on the website too, where we post this. What was that again? It was P.O. Box. P.O. Box two five nine. Two five nine. Rosendale, one two four seven two. And of course, the Rondout Creek Rosendale, goes through New Rosendale, York, too. one two four seven two. Yep. With the trellis there, right? Mm. So, so there's lots, yeah, there's lots going on historically. <clears throat> and the Vernoy kill, you know, runs into, um, I mean, Anchor Ops kill is what I would call it. Mm-hmm. And there's an Indian hill there. There's all these things that come together. And it, yes, it is World War Scene too. Now, right next to that, to the southeast, Mm-hmm. is a place called Lackawack, and this is also somewhat, you know, it's a reconstruction, just as Anchorops is a little bit of a reconstruction, but you can see where, yeah, mm-hmm. you build a fort there. Yeah. And it's called Anchorops, and this is like, you know, apparently the place is from across. But, um... So Lackawack is south Lackawack is just, yeah, it's and just to the southeast, s- and that, still on the main stem of the well, Kahasink. What it also let me Kahaksink. Kahaksink. Yeah. Thank you. So, you know, the Sandberg Kill runs into 
the um, you know the Rondout Creek as we call it. Yeah. Um, and then and then it takes a turn. So it's like some people argued that the Sandberg Creek could be called Rondout, but it runs into the Rondout. But it's such a big river, and it runs and forks in with the main Rondout, mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. as an equal. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, that's a Lackawack. Oh, okay. And they have versions of that word all throughout the East in Algonquin territories. Yeah. Lackawanna is almost the same word. Mm-hmm. But whack means, uh, one, one is a tributary of some kind, mm-hmm. uh, any kind of fairly major stream. So Lackawanna means, lek is, I'm showing this to you, but uh, pointing it at the microphone, it's, uh, it's your forked fingers. Oh, forked, right. Those are forked fingers. Yeah. It represents a fork. You eat from it also, you know, several things. But it also represents a fork in, in rivers, mm-hmm. or a fork in one river, or a fork in two rivers, depending on your view. Mm-hmm. So the lack, uh, no, the lack a whack. That K is the plural. So the whack means there are two equal rivers. It's very graphic. And then mm-hmm. lack means it's a fork. Mm-hmm. So the place named Lackawack can only refer to where two equal, really big rivers or streams run into each other. Come together, yeah. And that is right there where the Sandberg hits the, um, the what we call the Rondout. And then the, the Rondout turns at a 90-degree angle and heads north. And we still name it Rondout all the way, and all the way around in a big sea, as they call it the big sea, mm-hmm. all the way over to Picamus, which means place of small beavers in northern Muncie. It's an unusual, like unique. Yeah. A moo is a beaver. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, peak is a, a lake, you know. A bee is water, and it means the waters where the small beavers swim. It's beautiful, right? Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. where it all ends up. So right there it makes this very dramatic right turn as the Carhonson Creek, and Rondout still is named according to that same strange confederation. So where the Sandberg Kill comes in and hits it, that's mm-hmm. where it turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that has to be Lackawack. Nothing else stands up. So there was a there's a Lackawack road um, less than a mile away. Mm-hmm. And it's a very old trail that somebody's turned into a you know suburban road. And then you go much further along the, you know, Carhonson right up hill, and then you come to a little town today, it's still called Lackawack. Mm-hmm. And then people use that regionally. It's off by about two or three miles. It's just a little too far, right? Yeah. Because there's, there's a tiny stream that goes into the round out there that does not qualify as a Lackawack. I mean, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And and the Sandberg uh, confluence fits it perfectly. Right, right. And so there's it's also a place name specific to there that then migrated... Yeah, to a town, mm-hmm. not at the right so spot. Not at the right spot because it's not; it doesn't qualify as a lack of act. So, yeah. so this is one of those things that we could correct, you know, with signage yeah. and stuff. We could people more aware of the real history and what these names mean because everybody mm-hmm. knows the word lackawack around here, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. Yeah. they're misinformed because it doesn't just mean this little town. It means you know a fork in the rivers, which which that spot really is, and. Isn't it's that very, spot like right in Ellenville, where the Sandberg and the Roundout yeah. confluence is? Right. And so the word, here's the one of my main points, is that Ellenville was called Succonessing. Uh-huh. And that's a beautiful word that has not 
at all been restored in any way to its rightful place. And you were saying that would spread, that would include where we are here yeah, at the, the Center for Bioregional Living. The larger area of, El- of Ellenville was Saconessing. Saconessing. Which is S-A-C-O-N-E-S-S-I-N-G? where... S-A-C-O-N-E-S-S-I-N-G? S-O-C-O. S-O-C-O. Which is a very common word. Saco, okay. Like Saco, Maine, where the water comes out. It's where the water comes out into whatever. And Nessing means it's muddy, which there are muddy places all over Yeah, here in Ellenville. Nessing, and Ing is place. So Nest is mud, Ing is place. So it means the muddy place where the water runs out, you know, or runs into the other. So Saco Nessing is a the correct place name for Ellenville in the entire area. And um, it actually kind of applies to a lot of Ellenville. Mm-hmm. But, that's um, fascinating. That's a name I would love to see totally restored. It's a really authentic name, mm-hmm. you know, nice Algonquin word that you can kind of understand easily, which is not a missing case. Yeah. Saco Nessing. So that's where we are in Ellenville. And what's kind of the, how would you outline, like, what's the border of Saco Nessing? I don't think it's clear. No, I I think in this case... So we know it includes most of Ellenville and Mm -hmm. up here into the Ulster Heights area. I would say, well, again, these names... And These names fit watershed. So, you you know, if you show me a map of how the watershed ridges line up in Ellenville, I can show you where that border is. God, so it probably includes, just to guess, something like the, <coughs> the West Beer Kill, the Beer Kill, mm-hmm. and maybe the Fountain Kill. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and um, is that a Muncie? Yeah, oh, it's all Muncie. Muncie's one of the most important languages in the world, which is actually, unfortunately, and in what, the process of dying. I've read there's this discussion about what is the... And I wonder what your, what your um, take was on this, the difference or the distinction between the term Muncie and people wanting to use the term um, I believe it's a Lenape to talk about the, very controversial and, and they'll too. say like is and I've heard that you know some will say that Muncie is a language but not a cultural pattern and then some and say that that the Lenape is the cultural um, modality and just wondered what your Okay, well, that, that has become more true, and, and our friend over here, but um, anyway, he's a descendant, and he uses the word Lenape in that way, and I think it's acceptable, and there's only one problem. Mm-hmm. There is no evidence that anyone I know has ever seen that the word Lenape was used to refer to, refer to a cultural group before uh the United States of America was well underway as a country, therefore far past the colonial period. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so that should be noted for whatever reason. And you, you know, yeah. for example, you know the the um, Moravians have took the best notes. And they just wrote down everything, and they wrote it down in German and English, and they spread it wide, and they have whole archives. And I asked the people there. When does Lenape first show up in your records, mm-hmm. which go back to 1741? Huh? No records. No mention. No mm-hmm. Lenape. It comes up in the Swedish settlement in New Jersey, mm-hmm. referring to a family, and it's Renape. So I think people should know that. I mean, you can continue to use because it has been 
strongly adopted by Lenape descendants, if you want to call them that. Mm-hmm. But it's not a it's not really a language because you have Yunami and Munsi, two distinct mm-hmm. ways of speaking, and mm-hmm. they're you could say their dialects are the same, but they're really distinctly you know separate. Yeah. Um, so that's a very controversial thing. So I'm not going to try to change everybody's mind, but if you know, if our friends want to call it as a cultural group, Lenape, yeah. it, it would go all the way from Socrates down to the Delaware, excuse me, you know, down to the state of Delaware and down to the Potomac River. Yeah. As yeah. a cultural group, because there is such a cultural group. I mean, you could call it something else, but it's, people call it Delaware, people call it Lenape. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, that kind of makes sense because there is something unifying, a cultural unity to that entire, very large area, but there's, mm-hmm. Politically, mm-hmm. you've got all these different tribal groups within that area because it's yeah. huge, and several distinct. I mean, I think of them as different languages, but other people could call them dialects. You know, Munsi and Yunami being very, you know, dominant languages, mm-hmm. which are not the same. Mm-hmm. Right. They could be dialects if you wish, you know. But I think that's, uh, you know, call it what you want. Right. Distinct like, language they're types. Distinct. Yeah, yeah. There, there's rules for what defines a language, and they're not agreed upon. Mm-hmm. But I, I tend to stress that Muncie is very different, some fundamentally different uh, aspects to it than Unami. Mm-hmm. Unami is an adaptive language that basically takes Muncie-like words and then shortens them by as much as two syllables. Mm-hmm. That's a lot, mm-hmm. and yeah. so and. Muncie can always be uh, dissected into sentences, each syllable having a meaning that is coherent and creates some very valuable information mm-hmm. that's much harder to do with Unami, uh, you know, occasionally. Right. Happens, right. of course. But these are, right. they're more like a, you know, an adapted language. Yeah. And some people have theorized that Unami's maybe came from elsewhere, but archaeology shows them here. So there's all these kind of things. In the track yeah. you were saying, Haudenosaunee, they... Haudenosaunee. Haudenosaunee. Yeah. They came Hoyden. down here, but weren't a dominant language group. What They didn't. There are no, almost no village or place names that are in the Haudenosaunee languages here. Mm-hmm. But they carried on um, various trade and had trade camps, but there's mm-hmm. don't I don't see any permanent villages, with one exception, but basically there's no evidence that they actually were living here in close enough to colonial times that you would have place names. But the Munsee did have permanent settlements here. Yes, yeah. and they were year round. And do you mm-hmm. think what's mm-hmm. the what what would be the kind of pattern where where most of the villages along the main stem of the uh, Kahaksink? Well, a lot of them were, yes. And they were... Um, no, there were villages throughout here, um, you know, where we are is further away from the Kahaksink, and there were villages. Yeah. Up in, so up in these sub-watersheds. As we yeah, know. and not too far up. They'd be yeah. right on the, those tributaries, mm-hmm. or sub-tributaries. And know. around springs, always, I would imagine. always. You'll find us on the web at permaculturenewyork.com 
Andrew Faust. Thanks for listening.